Welcome to the Optimal Health Podcast, presented by Hudson Physicians, getting you back to optimal health when you're feeling sick, stressed, overwhelmed, or run down. We cover a ton of topics here. Each month we bring out a new podcast for you, and it's been an absolute blast working with Hudson Physicians and all of the great talent that's a part of this uh, community. And today we bring in Dr. Harold, who will be joining us for talk a little bit about his history in uh, the profession. We'll also get into patient, uh, routine patient uh, visits, and also what preventive care looks like and, and why it's so important. Along with that, we get into obesity and where that's been at in our, our community and our country as a matter of just a whole fact. Uh, Hudson physicians, why it's great to be owned and operated by the physicians themselves, why that can benefit you. We get a little bit into marijuana being legalized and used more commonly. Uh, is it safe? And then we're also going to talk about the new Richmond Medical Center and its opening on February 6th. That's coming fast. Yes. It yes. seemed like there was just a hole dug in the ground like the other day. Yeah. And, and, but these things shoot up. It's going know? up fast now. Yes. Prefabrications and amazing. That's right. right. That's right. 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 Yep. So Dr. Harold, thanks for joining us here today, obviously on your day off. And so we appreciate your coming in. To, no problem. Uh, spend some time on the podcast. So let's get to you first. Um, what 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 drove you to this profession and and becoming a doctor? Sure, uh, it was kind of a natural evolution. It wasn't a aha moment or anything like that, but it just uh, uh, gradually happened. Uh, kind of thoughts in middle school and high school that led to uh, led to being pre med in college. I went to University of St. Thomas. Um, in St. Paul, and then uh, I'm from Indiana originally, so went back down there for med school and residency. Uh, and then in 2005, my wife is from the Twin Cities. She wanted to move back closer to home, to her home, so we moved uh, to New Richmond. I started my family medicine career in New Richmond. You're pretty much done. You know, when you marry a, a, a yes. Twin Cityan, yep. I mean, the mere fact that you could get her to go over the border, that's a right. victory. Right, right, yes, you. yep. Right, yeah. because She's, you're, you're done. Yep. Okay. Yep. She's still a Vikings fan, but okay. yes. Yeah. God bless her for that. Are you Are you okay for uh, with being here? Then have you enjoyed your your run yes. here? Yes. Uh, um, I was telling someone earlier the uh, I, I moved around a lot as a kid, multiple states, and and lived in a lot of suburbs, uh, and to land in New Richmond and and work in a small town has been uh, really neat as a family doc to get to know multiple generations of the same family no people in the community uh, has been a really neat uh, a neat experience just going around town and, and seeing people that you that you know well uh, um, and have taken care of over the years it's no different than uh, the corner store on Andy Griffith with yeah Mayberry. we have yeah. relationships there's right? a lot of yes you a know, lot of similarities people and um, and then they, pr they 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 know that you're so valuable to the community to keep them healthy and happy I mean that's just what yeah. quality of life is about. So has all this stacked up to uh, what you thought it would be being a doctor? I honestly didn't know what to expect, I guess, when when I went. I mean, when I started medical school, I don't even think I really knew what the next step was with residency or what things entailed. So uh, I don't have any physicians in my family or anything like that. So it, it's, uh, uh, I don't know what my expectations were. I, I think it's some parts have been exceeded, uh, certainly wow. with, again, the, uh, some parts have been, you know, harder than I expected as well, but, uh, the, the relationship part and, and again, working in a small town is, is very different, uh, than I had expected being a, a suburb kid. So, so let's talk about preventive care. Yeah. And one of the things I think about, and we're gonna talk about the importance of it, but let's make a parallel. You know, we always talk about mammograms and if you do that annually, 
most of the people that I know, women that have been diagnosed, um, actually now, it's not ideal, it's not awesome, but they come out pretty darn well because they do it annually. Yes. Really shouldn't be any different in preventive care, too. Correct, correct. I mean, the, re- the reasons I went into family medicine, I guess there's two reasons. One is the variety. You see all kinds of stuff and you get challenged to make diagnoses. But the, the second reason and probably the main reason, it's, it's not as glamorous as some other uh, professions or other specialties, but I felt like I could save the most lives by, by working in family medicine. Uh, there are lives that, you know, we, don't, we can't count because uh, uh, we're preventing um, uh, problems uh, as one of our main, main goals or main things we do. So, uh, and that's with preventive care. That's with yep. preventing heart attacks, strokes, uh, detecting cancers early, preventing cancers, a multitude of, of things. Being out front. Yes. You know, getting ahead of it. So when you do that, what does, uh, just let's t- say the heart attack, strokes, cancers. Yeah. What are some examples of preventative care sure. to the layperson? Yeah. And I guess the first, the first point to make is um, uh, one of the reasons to talk about this in a podcast is my advice to the patient would be what, what's happened over the years is patients come in with their own agenda, their own list. And a big reason I think for that is when we had the advent of, of high deductible insurance and people want to get, they want to get their money's worth, which I completely understand. Uh, What sometimes happen is happens is then we have competing agendas. We have their list of things and probably the first three are important. And then, you know, the, the the next ones, they just want to check with the doc. Uh, My advice to patients would also to be give us time as the, as the family doc at their annual exam to actually ask what, what should I be doing to promote my health? What do I need to be doing preventively? Because yeah, there are some big things that are, that are, we always squeeze in, you know, making sure we check somebody's blood pressure and, and making sure, you know, we check cholesterol and things like that, that, uh, help prevent heart attacks and strokes. But there's things further down the line that we don't always get to if, if we don't have the time, uh, or, or don't have the open ears. Some examples are, now we can do uh, a very low radiation CAT scan to screen for lung cancers that in a certain population, a certain age that has smoked a certain amount and is still smoking or has quit within the last 15 years. And there's a lot of kind of bullet points you got to get, get through to, to um, get to that point of doing the CAT scan. But we can detect a lot of lung cancers now very early wow. and just surgically remove them and not have to do anything further. Uh, so things like that, that are, that are not really well known where it's be- becoming more and more known or preventing abdominal aortic aneurysms from, from rupturing as they, as they, we can detect them early. And then as they slowly grow, we can put in stents and things like that, or the specialist can. Nobody would so, even know about that. No. And your average Joe down the road. It's not, no, definitely that. not. And honestly, with we don't get to that with every annual exam because it's uh that's a little further down yeah. the list uh um we got to get through their list first and very then, interesting what you brought yeah. up with the list yeah that's the first thing i thought of is i'm like okay you you've only got a set period of time because there's a multitude of patients that are coming through your door it's just how it is yes 
So then you probably get into a position where there's a fine line between, okay, this list may have some very valuable things on here that I got to really pay attention to, but this is getting a little bit much. Uh, but then there's other things that you really would like to get into, but your time matters. Yes. So yes. efficiency as a patient. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite questions to get from a patient at an annual exam is, what else should I be doing? Is there anything that you would be doing or you would be telling your brother or your father or your sister? Uh, and then that really opens the door of, okay, let's get really in the weeds and make sure there's nothing else we should be, should be covering here. So, so obesity uh, is at an all-time high. And believe me, um, I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. But <laughs> I, was, oh, I was big boy probably in May. I was the biggest I'd ever been. So uh -huh. I'm going to go through personal experience here yeah. on this question. And it became, it was a direct result because of my diet and mm -hmm. what I was plugging into myself. Um, once I curbed sugar intake, I, I bet you I was, I was probably taking 250 milligrams eating. I just like, there wasn't chocolate cake yeah. I didn't like, right? <laughs> but once that stopped, it was incredible how everything changed. My energy levels were different. I was moving better. I was more flexible. I wasn't bloated. I was afraid I was becoming pre-diabetic. Mm -hmm. um, so the question is to obesity and all of that. I know we need to move, and I do, and I know we need to do things, but how much of that starts with the diet? Oh, a lot of it does. I mean, it's, uh, obesity is, it's, it's an epidemic that's happening before our eyes that, we, that we, uh, we're focused on, but I think we need to focus on even more. Uh, a lot of people know that it's not good, but we've kind of shifted also our, our um, understanding or our cultural norms for, for what's, you know, a normal weight, uh, which is, which is, and some of the reasons to do that is to be, you know, body positive and make sure uh, we're protecting people's mental health or engendering good mental health. But from a medical standpoint, we still do have to pay attention to obesity. I mean, it, it increases the risk of multiple cancers. It increases the risk of strokes and heart attacks, increases the risk of sleep apnea, depression, lung problems, et cetera. Uh, so, and yeah, diet is, I mean, it, it's still really, there's no tricks. It really does come down to uh, burning there, right? more calories yeah. than you, than you, uh, than you, um, uh, consume. And as far as a particular diet, the Mediterranean diet has been proven over and over and over again to be the best for our health. It, it, it what does that consist of? Yeah. So the Mediterranean diet, one of the reasons it's, uh, maybe not as well known is it's not, um, like a fad diet or something that's you know, promoted real strongly that has uh, financial the benefits around it. Yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not, we can't sell the Atkins bars or whatever for it. Yeah. It's uh, the Mediterranean diet is, uh, it was just discovered that people that live in the Mediterranean, you know, around the Mediterranean Sea uh, have, are healthier and live longer. And it's because of what's naturally kind of grows in, in that area. So Mediterranean diet is a lot of vegetables, uh, some fruits, whole grains, uh, white meats like chicken and fish. Um, that's kind of the, con the, you know, not a lot of processed foods or, mm -hmm. or real fatty, greasy foods. Okay. So great. Um, I'm all about the fish. So yeah. There we go. And the Mediterranean yeah. diet has meta analyses, you know, where they take a lot of studies over the years and look at them together and it's consistently every year proven to be the best. Well, let best me give you a real time, um, note that I made. I was yeah. at a, a concert at the XL energy center a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I just kind of looked around me. What was okay for for the seat size twenty years ago, which yes. was giving you room, 
I could not believe this is not that I was judgy. It just it jumped out at me because it was Rod Stewart. So the age was. Yeah. Older, yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> and I'm looking around and I'm saying, look at these. These people need to see. It's amazing how. And when you brought that up, I thought, well, and I wasn't thinking in today's world of what it is that they weren't that huge. Yeah. But they weren't fitting in the seats. Yeah. Which leads me to how we've changed our thought process of what of it, what it is. So the question on all of this is. Um, how much is this occurring because of what you said about kind of body shaming type stuff? Part A. Yeah. Part B is from COVID. I mean, a lot of people got bummed out. Uh, jobs became different. Just how we communicate, how things were, were just different. And I think, ha- have you seen a spike since the COVID started two years ago? Yeah, Roughly. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I mean, that could have something to do with it. Yeah, people working from home. I mean, you saw a subset of some people that that were able to change their lifestyle to be healthier because they weren't doing their long commutes to work because they were working from home. But, yeah, a lot of people that just were at home and bored and, and eating more. Or chips. there's other entertainment they can't couldn't do and go out and do, so they're eating more. And Yeah, yeah and definitely. And there were those that used it as an opportunity to get moving too, but yeah. I would say largely people, you know, and you mentioned about just, you know, psychological health. Yeah. Where that can play into it too. Yep. Yes. Uh, So what do you, what what do you, so if you have someone that comes in and they're tipping the Toledo is pretty hot, right? Yeah. How do you politely say, you know, (laughs) without in today's world offending, how do you go about that? And what do you suggest? That's a great question. Uh, Because I, I never, I extremely rarely actually use the word like I rarely say you're obese or <laughs> or you're fat yeah. or anything like that. It it usually comes up in the in the rest of the conversation when someone says, "I don't want to take a a pill for my blood pressure. What what different can I do? Well, let's work at losing weight. I I don't want to use the CPAP for my sleep apnea. What what are my what could I do for that? Um, and as you go down the line of hey, people saying I want to do something naturally. Uh, a lot of the times the answer is losing weight. Uh, and and that's great. I mean, I don't, I don't want to prescribe pills if I don't have to. So, So, uh, help me understand a little bit further. That was kind of interesting to hear. So if you may need to take heart medication, really the best thing to do if you don't want to have to have that is to get yourself whipped into shape and, and appropriately. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is your boy? This is going to be, you can say no (laughs) comment if you want. Yeah. What is your opinion on that? Um, do you think medication in those regards is like got to do it? Or do you feel like, you know, if you can avoid it better? The only medication in family medicine that we really push or promote uh, very often uh, strictly based on, on data or, or uh, risk is the statin medications, the, the cholesterol-lowering medications that have been proven with certain populations to decrease their risk of stroke or heart attack, mm-hmm. regardless of of uh, um, kind of any outside factors, uh, there's a there's a calculator that we use to determine uh, risk of a heart attack in the next 10 years. I'm getting to your question, but yeah. uh, um, to clarify that what I just said, uh, we do a 10 year risk of heart attack, and if it's above a certain percentage, uh, then then we recommend statin medications, and that. Uh, really is the only medicine that we push hard and say, hey, regardless of everything else, this is what you should be doing. Otherwise, we give time 
people time to do lifestyle changes. If blood pressure is somewhat high, we say, hey, we don't want your blood pressure to be this high long term because it increases your risk of a heart attack or a stroke. But if you want to take six months and try to live a healthier lifestyle and then monitor and come back, then, then, then we can do that. It's never something where we say you absolutely have to take this blood pressure medicine or, or whatnot. So I, uh, I got my, uh, I couldn't believe I got this a couple of days ago, my ARP. Yeah. <laughs> they come early. Yeah. 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 It's like, what uh, is this? Yeah. You know, but for people my age, let's say, uh, I do strength training, um, which for me, I'm under the impression and I would love to hear yeah. this for those that do that. Does that help lower cholesterol levels and triglycerides? I've heard about that. Is that true or not true? Is that a good thing to it, do? It, strength training definitely helps increase your metabolism. Uh, you know, cholesterol is hard. Different people are physiologically, it's different. So I've seen sure. some people that uh, their cholesterol goes down with strength training. Other people, it's unchanged. It really can vary it a depends. lot. Same with diet. I mean, you yeah. can only lower your cholesterol so much by changing your diet. And some of this is genetic. Some of it's genetic. You exactly. Really you're just, it. it's the way you're made. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and then cholesterol tests are just simply in blood work. A blood right? test. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the benefits of, uh, your group of, yeah. uh, physician owned. And you know what? I, 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 this is me outside looking in. How does that work? Because you've probably got a lot of, you're all like, like entrepreneurial. It's your business yes. right? within this business. Yes. So you got it. You work within the structure, but there's a lot of personalities coming together. I would assume. How does that all work, and what's the benefit, and how do you guys do it here? Yeah, I think the benefit is a physician-owned practice, primarily is f focused on taking good care of the patients, and because we're physicians, we have a deep understanding of of what that means and all. It's a complicated business. We're not, you know, making a soft drink or something like that. Yeah, and so we. It kind of takes a, uh, a physician is kind of both in the trenches as well as also the general of the army. You know, we kind of understand both both ends of it. And I think because of that, the physicians are, are some of the best people at running a business uh, that's related to medical care. Certainly we have, you know, administrators and we have a phenomenal CEO. And uh, But physician-owned is going to always primarily make our decisions based on what's best for the patients. And yes, we have to be fiscally responsible, but we don't, we don't make our decisions based primarily upon that. And we don't have a board of non-physicians that we have to answer to. The, our structure actually is we have a board of, of its physicians that are, that are elected to our board and a, and a, a president that's elected that uh, help oversee oversee the the organization awesome. so yeah it works so really what well. kind of class do you guys have a lot of collaboration as a group then yeah quite a bit you know i've only been here again since october of yeah. last year but i've had a long-term relationship with hudson physicians and was affiliated with them uh years ago when i uh, was the president of new richmond clinic we were we had a, a group called western wisconsin medical associates that was affiliated with hudson physicians so i've known and worked with these people for a long time and and uh uh, happy to be a part of them for sure and yeah so i've had prior experience in a similar clinic and so this a, obviously has positive effect on on patients the, in the patients can feel it put yes. them first yes the patients can feel it they 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 should not feel treated like a number and and uh it's a relationship based relationship based 
uh, a business. You know, what's yeah. interesting is it's when when you when you say that it's very true. However, when you come through the door and you turn right, this is a pretty big, expansive space. It and is. the next one, you know, across the highway is going to be bigger. And then there's the new Richmond. Yes. But it, it, it it's it's pretty almost clinical, but it has personality. Yes. And yes. I think the the patients and the people you serve know that. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge ahead ahead of us as as we grow is how do you continue? Right. You know, to be it's it's much easier to, uh, um, you know, engender a culture when you have five family docs working in a clinic or whatnot. But it's uh, uh, that's uh, something that we're cognizant of is that as we grow, we still want still want that. But yeah. we also know that really the primary work works in a in a you know in a clinic exam room between a doctor and a patient and and we know we can uh, you know limit any impediments to continuing to do a really good job at that which is really what it's all about it's really about that one-on-one yes uh this is off the grid question yeah i've always wanted to know this what is the level of Oh, I got a lot of questions yeah, now. Yeah. This is just open up a whole <laughs> now Pandora's box. Now your mind's churning. Oh, no. Uh, no, but I am curious. What is the level of knowledge that your typical patient will bring to you uh, with 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 communicating what they're feeling or what they're there to see you about? Is it decently high? Is it terrible? Uh, you know, on an over uh, overview. How, how does that work? And does it help you with what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say for the most people, most of my patients is decently high. Uh, That's great. That, uh, you know, there are some people on on ends of the spectrum uh, as far as not really um, uh, knowing exactly even what they're there for uh, or very well educated. And I can kind of just say, well, what do you think we should do? (laughs) (laughs) But for the most part, people people know what questions to ask and what uh, what they're there for, what they what what they're hoping to get out of it. Are there expectations ever put on you or any of the other doctors that sometimes it's like, oh, I mean, I'm not a miracle worker here, but I mean, this is, I mean, do you ever have that type of pressure? Yes. Uh, often when the expectations are high, it's again, because the cost of healthcare is right. so high. Um, so it's getting their money's worth. Uh, sometimes expectations are high. A lot of the time when the expectations are high, it ends up being mental health related, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Um, it will be, uh, they're just, you know, they need help. They, they're uh, um, in, a, in a state where, where they're really expecting to, to feel better. And, and sometimes they know that it's mental health related. Sometimes it's physical symptoms that, that are leading, you know, they're, they're caused by their uh, uh, depression or anxiety sure. and they're feeling it physically and you have to kind of peel through those layers. Well, that's really important, yeah. isn't it? Let's talk about marijuana. This is one of our sure. topics of discussion yes. Uh, yes. that uh, was delivered here. Obviously, it's being legalized, and it's more common. And I think you and I spoke before we jumped on yeah. about, uh, you know, now it's the gummies. The 30-year-olds are flipping their 70-year-old parents and saying, yes. here, this will make you feel better. Yeah. Um, so we, I've heard, and, you know, I, I, oh, you can't get addicted to it. But I know kids that started when they were 14 and are in their mid-50s and still doing it. So you tell me it's not addictive. Right. So can you explain? Right. Can you dispel that? Yeah, yeah. That and this not? is probably a somewhat controversial talk, uh, you know, if you, or topic. If you talk to all 50 clinicians here, you might get slightly different answers. Um, Boy, I'd love to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think 
I, I'm afraid or concerned that, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, what did we do? We created another, just like we've done with nicotine and, and uh, opioids, uh, or, you know, prescription pain pills uh, that uh, at one point were, were I won't, don't want to say supported by the government, but uh, uh, the uh, we were promoting pain as the fifth vital sign and saying that some narcotics were not ad- not addictive, et cetera, and then later on realized, oh my gosh, what what have we done? I'm concerned that that might happen with marijuana. We do definitely see. So today's marijuana is not grandma's marijuana no from way. the 1970s. I mean, they've been hybridizing those plants over the years, higher and higher THC content. Now we can infuse the THC into gummies, et cetera. And uh, we are seeing major physical addiction to marijuana and major withdrawal from marijuana. The patients that I have seen with withdrawal from marijuana have generally been, uh, the ones I've seen have been generally men in their late teens and early 20s who have been vaping THC. uh, And they can get some pretty serious uh, withdrawal sometimes that needs medications to help. There's also something called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, which is kind of an odd thing and we see more and more often where patients who are addicted to marijuana, they start throwing up and they cannot stop throwing up unless they take a hot shower, get in a hot bath, or take another hit of marijuana. Okay, let's it's a very to, odd. Why, the, why do you think? <laughs> I, I don't know physiologically why, That's but fine. it's a. We see it more and more so commonly. Is this, is this, a, this is uh, obviously is a topic of conversation. Is this something you're seeing more and more of? Yes, it's become part of my discussion. You know, when we see somebody for a preventive exam in high school or college or going off to college, you know, we'll have a list of things we, I kind of call it the sex, drugs, and rock and roll discussion. Yeah. And yeah. and this is definitely something that I'm now belaboring the, the marijuana discussion. Well, it's interesting because there's almost two, two pronged attack there. There's the, I always tell my kids, you know, alcohol can kill. Right. And so anytime someone would have one of those initiations or whatever and you know yeah. they died of alcohol and it's in the news i'd always pull up the article or pull it up on my phone and hand it to my kids and say i'm not kidding and then they they they, they quit rolling their eyes when they realized it was real yeah and then the same thing goes here for the the whole uh, marijuana perspective i think i think the thing that what you you mentioned an interesting take on the vape because it's very concealable mm-hmm. you can't tell what it is Yes. Uh, you 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 can access it. Yes. A friend of mine vapes tobacco mm-hmm. or nicotine. Yeah. Uh, nicotine, and uh, I, I I look at that and I'm like, you're on this thing like all the time. And right? the nicotine content is you know way higher. Not your grandma's you, cigarettes. Yeah, yes, and same thing with the THC and the in the vape. So, what? What does what does THC do to the young mind? You know, I told you, you know, we talked about that commercial. Yeah, Maybe in short, it just it makes it, it makes you stupid. I mean, is a does. simple way to say it. That would, it's not a, a way I would tell a patient. But uh, um, I mean, there are some some concerns. We've seen some studies that have said it increases your risk of lung cancers. Um, I, I can't say with you know absolute definity that's the case, but it increases risk of uh, restlessness, depression, anxiety. Their physical, you know, chronic abdominal pain, diarrhea. There's, it's, it's not a, 
and poor work performance. You know, it's uh, well, I, it's I, your I, lack of motivation. Leader people have experienced. Yes, that. yes. I should <laughs> say it, but it's just like, oh, yeah. okay, here we go. Yes. So has the advent of it being used in medical uh, purposes has that been sort of just a subtle little gateway to normalizing it? And in your opinion, does it help or is it overrated? Uh, I, I, you're probably correct that the advent of, you know, uh, um, prescription or, or reasons, you know, medical reasons for prescribing marijuana possibly has led to it. And it's not, I mean, there are certain, certainly prescription drugs that that we prescribe, uh, that, that aren't, you know, they have side effects and problems as well. I mean, if I had a patient on, you know, 12 oral medications and they said, can if I get rid of these five and marijuana works, can I do it? I might be okay with that. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not a, I'm not trying to overly vilify it, but it's, uh, because it hasn't been legal for very long in many States, it's just not well studied yet. I mean, people, you know, we're like when CBD, CBD isn't necessarily marijuana, but you know, they'll list 40 things that it supposedly helps with. And I'm like, this is a, this is a, right. this is a fad and it's going to, fade away unless it truly gets proven to be well you to don't be see it as much no it's already started fading somewhat correct yeah so the, the moral of the story is is that if you're in your late teens early 20s and and you're uh partaking in uh marijuana use you got to be really careful uh, because of the physical addictions and the withdrawals that you've experienced mm-hmm. uh, you might not have that hot shower Right, and right. You might not have that. <laughs> right. you know, good luck to you on that. And it, yeah. just think about that, though. If you're putting it into your body and that's the, the result, that's not good. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also talked a little bit about the obesity and how much that's you know really key and, and mm-hmm. making sure you come in for routine uh, preventive uh, uh, exams. Uh, one of the things about that, to get back to the preventative side of things, mm-hmm. I think insurance companies look very favorably upon those types of visits. Is that correct? Yes. Like yes. they want you to do that. Yes. You're going to save them money in the long term. Yep. And I mean, there are even corporations that, that require their their employees to come get an annual exam as part of their, their health program because they know that, I don't want to say the only reason that, but it saves them money down the line. If we can, if we can be preventive and, and they want you around, they don't want to have to pay extra premiums. Yeah. They don't want their stuff to go up. Yep. And then it also costs, and they money. want healthy employees. employees. Yeah. They can, want yeah. you effective and, and yeah, they want healthy you know, employees, cause yeah. you're there for a reason. Yes. Let's talk about the new Richmond, uh, uh, facility right now opening on the sixth. Yes. Um, so if you could give me a, uh, the hours of, is it a Monday, Friday, Monday, Saturday deal? What type of hours are you going to have there? Sure. Yes. So we'll be opening February 6th of 2023. Um, we'll have starting with five family physicians and then some specialties there as well. We'll have podiatry, uh, general surgery, and, and some other specialties there. Uh, hours. Uh, we'll probably within a year or less uh, ballpark, we'll start urgent care as well. So that'll be oh, wow. more extended hours, probably, you know, a ballpark uh, 7.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. But initially we'll start with Monday through Thursday, 7.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, Friday will be 7.30 to 5. And then we'll add Saturday hours fairly quickly as well. Kind of once we get ramped up and Boy, uh, get, get our feet under us. You have an x-ray in a lab, right? Yeah, we'll have, uh, so we're a little more than a clinic. We are. We will be a medical center, so we'll have a, a full lab where we do laboratories in-house, x-ray, mammogram, ultrasound, 
Um, and then again, uh, quite a few specialties that come through there. Pretty close to home for you? Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I'll go through two stoplights, I think. Perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. Walking yeah. to work. Seven miles or so. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe not walking for seven miles. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. perfect. Well, that's great stuff. And, uh, I think this has been, uh, most informative. Good. Thanks. And I appreciate your time here today. And, uh, Thanks for all the good work you do here at Hudson Physicians, soon to be New Richmond, right? And yes. then eventually the other physicians that will be coming on board there will be announced. Yes. But for now, we yes. know you're there. Yes, and myself we'll, we'll and, and Dr. Joe Dietzler will be there. And then, yeah, we'll have we'll likely have a few more joining us here That's in uh, wonderful. Um, December or January, hopefully. That's excellent. Yeah. February 6th at showtime. Yeah. Coming fast. Exciting stuff. Dr. Harold, enjoy your weekend. It's going to be a beautiful one out there. Thank you. You too. Thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of Optimal Health, along with Dr. Harold and Pete Wagner. So long, everybody.